What's up, Gator Country? Man, Andrew Spivey back with Ethan, and now we got Bailey with us today. So we're gonna we're gonna hit the trio today, and uh, back, and uh, got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, even though it is uh, technically off season, but there's no off season in uh, football. Ethan, first off, uh, you did call the Gators to win the Ole Miss series, so props to you. Yeah, this just the way this team is at this point. They win the series that. You don't think they have a chance in heck at winning, and then they go out and lay an egg the next week. So it was just like it was nice. Yeah, kind of kind of like basketball in that regard. It's it was nice to see that the move slowly made last week with a starting rotation getting Mason Leftwich into relief. It paid off and got a big time series win. Now they need to keep it going this weekend on the road at Rocky Top. So are you calling Sully Mike White? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I just had to make not, sure. Do not get people in my Twitter mentions over that one. I was going to say, <laughs> let's let's uh, direct all Twitter uh, to E. Hughes on, uh, yeah. on Twitter uh, for the for the Mike White, Kevin O'Sullivan uh, thing. And then uh, Bailey, uh, the bats yeah, like woke that. up in Athens. Uh, softball yeah. goes up and takes two out of three. Uh, Cottrell, uh, Bailey Cottrell gets going and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, it – Starting to see a little bit of life with the bats. I I said this last week to Ethan. Softball will go as far as the bats go. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Georgia has a little bit of a funny stadium where they're down left and right. It's just 190. But, really, Florida didn't even need it. Um, Charlotte Eccles, she had a great series. She was hitting bombs straight center. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that, that softball is getting getting back on the right track here a little bit. Uh, Saturday night was a little a little rough to start the series, but after that, they pretty much dominated Georgia the rest of the weekend. And um, now uh, tonight, actually, they play USF in a doubleheader, and then this weekend, move on to play uh, Team Canada. And they added a series with Western Kentucky this weekend, or a doubleheader with them. So, so that'll be fun to watch. A little more softball for the weekend. Had I told you beginning of the year Arkansas would be in first place in the SEC, you'd have probably told me I was stupid. Arkansas first place in the SEC? Yeah, come on. Yeah, that's crazy. And gosh, I, her name isn't coming to me right now, but they have one girl that has like 19 or 20 homers this year. They are going off. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Hightower's pitching well. Uh, Ethan, do you expect, and we'll move on to football stuff here in a minute, but do you expect the opener with Mason Leftwich to kind of continue this weekend? No, Sully actually told us after the Stetson game on Tuesday that they're going to start Mace on Friday, and then Barkle will get Sunday like usual, and then Saturday they are still kind of up in the air. It sounds like might either start Alamon or Scott and then have Leftwich come in relief because he still didn't pitch very well last week. Leftwich didn't, and so they're still trying to do everything they can to get him working, and that's going to be out of the bullpen again this weekend. I, I, I'm up in the air about it. Um... Ethan and, and Bailey both. I'm up in the air whether I like it or not. I, you know, if you get a start like you did Friday, Saturday from from your two guys, um, and, you know, they, they did lose on Saturday, but if you get a start, you know, where you get uh, his name's escaping. Who started Friday night, Ethan? Well, it was actually a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday, series, Friday, so yeah. Who started Thursday. Uh, Thursday was Alamon. Alamon. If you get a start like Alamon, it works out perfect. 
because then you have Mace come in and close out the game. But if you get a start where Christian Scott kind of got you in some trouble early, uh, then it then it doesn't work out. And I, I know that's cliche to say because it's you know I mean you don't know what start you're going to get. But it, it's just one of those things where you know it it becomes a question. And, and if Mason left, which are the guys we all think think they're going to be. They got to go back to being your guy, to where you get seven innings out of them. And, and again, you use Christian Scott, who was your best bullpen arm, as an opener. He's done for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, they definitely for this team to get in the postseason, go as far as everybody expected them to go. They're going to have to get Mason Leftwich back to pitching like we thought they're going to. But I will say that I do like the way that it kind of helped preserve their bullpen a little bit by going with the opener strategy because they only had to use really all other than Alamon and Scott, everybody else was ready to go for the final game of the series. And even Alamon only threw, I think 60 pitches in his start or something. So even he could have come out and thrown a little bit for him in game three and they just didn't need him. So, I mean, when they, they have a very thin bullpen right now and it sounds like it's more about trying to get Alamon and Scott more innings than it necessarily is demoting Mace or Leftwich. Yeah. I'll say this, pitching will be fine, but uh, they've got to figure out how to hit. Whoever told Judd Fabian that he needed to work on his launch angle more than he did last year just doesn't need to be around anymore. The the guy is up there, launch angle, launch angle, launch angle. Uh, Last check, he was leading the SEC in strikeouts, Ethan. I may be wrong on that uh, now, but still, to be a guy who, you know, at one time was the number five overall prospect in in the draft, to come out and, you know, be as bad as he is at the plate when he usually is a pretty good hitter. He's just... He started to break out of it on Tuesday night against Stetson. He hit, I think, three or four balls really hard just right at guys and I think picked up a hit. He's just His problem is he's just swinging for the fences and everything, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because he's a guy who naturally has a lot of power. He's going to hit a bunch of home runs just his normal swing. But he's just swinging out of his shoes and pulling everything, and other teams know that, and they're just blowing fastballs right by him in 0-2 counts. and. He's got to start using the other field and going the other way with it and force them to respect his respect him as a contact hitter. I mean, Bailey, that's what I was going to say to you, was Jamie Hoover is the same way right now. It's it's launch, yeah. launch, 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 launch. And, you know, I, do I get it? You know, the home runs are sexy and everything else. Yeah, it is. But uh, if, if you're batting a buck 50 and you got 50 home runs, you're not very good. No, and she's been that way her whole career, honestly. Not to pick on her, she's actually, I think, been a little bit better this year until these last couple games or so. But yeah, I mean, and and that's just not going to work, especially in softball. It, it's just, and there's too many hitters right now who are trying to do that. And you know, even Kendall Lindemann, I think she's trying a little too hard at the plate right now. Right. Um, so they've got to get her back going, but. Hey, I mean, this weekend is a good weekend to kind of get the swings back before you play Alabama next weekend. So uh, it'll be a good test. Yeah, let's uh, let's move around to football here just a little bit. Uh, so you know, you had the uh, um, you had the spring game that's over with and done, and uh, you had Jahari Rogers uh, uh, transfer. We we kind of talked a little bit about that um, earlier last week, uh, but I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit more uh, with both of y'all. And you know, I. As much as, you know, it, it pains me to say, I think 
you have to look at the transfer portal to get a corner. I, I don't know that you can go into next year uh, relying just on Jaden Hill, uh, Kyer Elam, and Jason Marshall as the three corners that you really can count on because you don't know what you're going to get out of Avery Helm. You don't know what you're going to get out of Ethan Pouncey, two guys who are injured still. I, I'm not saying I, – I, I don't know, though. I, I, I don't, I'm not fully committed to it, but and that was going to be my question to you guys is do you think it's transfer portal time for at least one corner? I, I would like to see it, honestly. Um, I mean, I think Florida can make it work, but even Mullen, and I think it was his last spring press conference, said something about they had, you know, those four, maybe five guys that they're comfortable with putting on the field right now if the season were to start today. But they want to get that number up to seven or eight, and they're really, the numbers aren't on the roster right now. So at some point, you have to start searching. Ethan? Ethan? Yeah, I agree they need to go out and get somebody because they have three corners that they can feel reasonably good about right now. The only thing is, is there any corners out there in the portal that would be worth getting or is it just taking somebody just to take one at this point? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of teams are still going through the spring, so you're, uh, you know, you're you're, you're looking at uh, seeing more guys enter. You know, there was the West Virginia kid. Uh, he ended up going to Georgia to follow uh, his former DB coach to there. Um, so, you know, you can't can't really, you know, be mad about that one or upset about that one. Um, but yeah, I think you obviously you have to weigh. That do, are you getting someone just to get someone, or are you getting someone who you think can contribute? I mean, if you're getting someone just to get someone, well, then it's no point. If you're getting someone that you think can contribute, and I, and I don't say it's contribute as a starter, contribute as just a guy for depth. I mean, you know, yeah. I think we all agree by game three, it'll probably be Jason Marshall and Kyrie Elam starting. I don't think you roll Marshall out game one, but I think you definitely are going to roll him out, you know, later in the season as long as he continues to improve as a starter. But, you know, let's just say Kyrie Elam cramps up uh, in the game or, or something else. Do you trust someone else to go out there? Uh, you know, and I, I don't know. Jaden Hill may be improved enough to be that guy. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is, I mean, if one of these guys tears an ACL or something, then you're done. I mean, you know, you'll have to start working some of those guys in there. So I think, yeah, even if you're not going to get a guy who's, going to be a starter or even play a ton, you you need some more depth back there. Uh, let me ask both of you guys this, and that is, we look at the transfer portal. Obviously, we know offensive line's a must. Finding a tackle or two or four or ten or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. wants to come it, it is the obvious number one goal. Uh, Ethan, outside of offensive line, are you looking at another position that you say, hey, they need to go get a player if, if he's good enough? The one obvious position I think would be tight end because, I mean, they already tried to get a guy out of the transfer portal once with Eric Gilbert, and that didn't work out. I mean, they don't really have a game-breaking pass-catching tight end like Kyle Pitts was, which, I mean, there's not going to be anybody out there that's like Kyle Pitts, but similar style-wise, they can find somebody. And then, I don't know, maybe maybe linebacker would be the other spot because they've got a lot of athletic guys, but not anybody that's got any kind of track record of playing well against the run other than Ventrell Miller. Right. But going back to what you said about tight end, I mean, I think it's good that we at least saw that Nick Elksness, I think that's how you say his last name, uh, had a really good spring. So, 
you are starting to get some more players there than maybe you expected to have ready for this season. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily know that tight end is a place where Florida has to go out and get somebody. Yeah, I don't think they have a position where they absolutely like need yeah. to make desperately, but that would be the one spot where that probably be priority number one if they were going to add somebody at this point. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't have that number one guy. That's concern. Do you really rely on a freshman to you know to come in and and, and to you know be that guy to uh, to to lead the way? No, and, and especially with Mullen's offense. Mullen's offense is an offense that really really likes the uh, the tight end play. So you got to have a situation where you have someone you can count on. You know, Kamori Gamble at times was was good. Uh, at times, uh, Keon Zipper showed us some things, but uh, I don't know that either one of them are your elite guys. Uh, you know, so if you it, like you said, you went and got Eric Gilbert already, lost him. Um, if you find someone that's in the portal and, and you can get him, yeah, go get him. Um, and like you said, at linebacker, you know, obviously if you can find you a middle linebacker um, that can back up Ventrell Miller, absolutely. Um, but I'll, I'll go back to it. Find tackles. If you got to take yeah. up every available roster yeah. spot for a tackle, take up every roster spot for a tackle. Yeah, I, I agree with that, definitely. I, I think – as many of those as Florida can go out and get, they should go get and kind of just leave the rest as it, as it is. I mean, if there's someone that you absolutely can't turn down, then yeah, go get them, but make sure you're, you're filling up that offensive line there. Pretty much anybody that could get would be an upgrade at right tackle. So I mean, they left tackle. I think Richard Garden will be fine, but at right tackle and even right guard to a lesser degree, have some room for improvement to say the least yeah yeah absolutely um let's go to recruiting a little bit now uh you, you look in you look at the recruiting class already um you know got some some good players already there uh biggest thing for me in the recruiting class is finding some defensive tackles finding some defensive tackles that can come in and, and, and replace uh shelton or, or valentine uh, that you call him now uh replace uh, uh new kirk those guys uh to continue to add depth there uh bailey i'll start with you i guess what's your biggest uh uh need in, in your opinion in the uh in the 2022 uh, class yeah i'm, I'm gonna have to agree with you there honestly i haven't I haven't even started looking at 2022 yet. I'm, I'm still trying to get through spring and move into, into fall here. But, um, yeah, I, I think you definitely need to get some guys there because, uh, like you said, they, they're going to be losing those two uh, after this season. And you had some spotty classes there um, that you really need to start making up for here. Um, yeah, besides that, uh, let's see. I think that... Ooh, I don't know. Go go ahead with you, Ethan, because let me let me think on this one a few minutes. The two obvious spots that would stand out to me would be get some real offensive tackles in here instead of trying to take people who should be guards and trying to convert them into tackles. That experiment just is not going too well at this point. And then get some more depth at cornerback because with Jahari Rogers leaving, you have five I think five scholarship corners. Right. At least one of which is probably leaving after this year and Kyrie Elam. So you need to start getting that next group of guys ready to go in the secondary. And then strong side defensive end with Zach Carter gone after this year. You don't really have a heir apparent in place there. you got some guys that you feel good about, like Justice Boone or 
princely Yuman Mielin, but they they still need to continue to build depth and get bigger at that position. I'm going to give you props for saying his name right there. I was going to say, give me that name five times. Rolled that princely off. Princely Yuman Mielin, princely Yuman Mielin, princely Yuman Mielin, princely Yuman Mielin. Yeah, that's a... What do I win? That's a name. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bailey, what you got? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I have to I have to agree with Ethan on those there. Um, but oh gosh, honestly, Andrew, I I, I need you to just take over on this. <laughs> uh, I mean, that that would <laughs> not me. That would be I mean, defensive line obviously D tackle is 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 mine and then um obviously they have the the really good tight end is CJ Hawkins uh committed already. Uh it, you know, Jalil Skinner is another guy that they're in on and he's another big athletic tight end. Uh you have Oscar Delps, another guy that at tight end and, and both of those guys so you know, I think they're and then you know, I know this is I know this is a little surprising because of, you know, the receivers, but obviously getting um uh, one or two elite receivers. Uh, you know, you only took two last year in Burke and um, Dejon Reynolds. Uh, you know, you'll, I don't want to say you'll lose Jacob Copeland, but you could lose Jacob Copeland this year uh, with a good year. Uh, you know, you'll have Henderson going into his junior year the following year. So, you, you know, you kind of need to start adding some some guys there as well. And, uh, you know, and then obviously tackles, offensive tackles. You've got to have offensive tackles in the class. I mean, you're, you're down to basically two guys. I mean, outside of Garage and Delance, is there really a true tackle on the roster? They don't feel like Tarquan's there, uh, more, of a, he's more of an inside guy in their opinion so who's your true tackles after those two guys yeah yeah, yeah that's I'm, a good point yeah Go maybe ahead. like a josh braun can move to right tackle at some point maybe but yeah that's about it. right yeah, uh, let's hit on that. So Corey Bell's back, uh, former DB coach, is now back as an analyst, and uh, he's gotten some props from uh, from a couple players, including uh, the big cornerback uh, from Miami, Earl Little. Um, you know, I, I said this, you know, on the thread when we were talking about, uh, you know, him coming back, and you know, I, I just think that it's good. I mean, it's good from a recruiting standpoint, but it's also good because you know, if you do have a change with Wesley McGriff, who's you know moved around a lot in his career for Jules Montier moves on you have a guy in, in Corey Bell who's ready to go and I mean he's coached at Florida before he's coached at UCF before played at uh, South Carolina so you know he has the ability to, to, to coach in the SEC and you know you wouldn't lose a, a lot there but you also gain a really really strong recruiter in the Miami area as well yeah, I think that's a big deal, and I think that's something that Florida and a lot of programs are starting to do now. That they're trying to bring these guys in at, in these analyst roles to basically be a backup for when they start losing guys. I mean, they brought Garrick McGee in just as a defensive analyst, and I mean, they were able to just go ahead and promote him up to quarterbacks coach because they knew that he had that experience there and uh, he would be a good fit. I mean, I don't know that that was the plan all along, but it's definitely something that you think about whenever you go out and get these guys. So I, I think it's huge to, to have someone there that is already in-house if you want to uh, make some changes. It's a little bit different with uh, Corey Bello because he's not an analyst. He's actually a, he's in the recruiting department with some... Right, yeah. I, I just meant bringing guys, putting guys on staff. I didn't necessarily right. as an analyst. But and, and let's just be honest. Recruiting staff, analysts, they all do the same. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah, it, it, 
they, they, just, they just have to call something different for, I guess, yeah. NCAA. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, let's uh, let's move to basketball. Uh, Ethan, you and I were really really tough on uh, Mike White last week uh, with all the transfers and then Scotty Lewis transferred uh, or went to the NBA. Excuse me. Uh, right afterwards, but they did pick up two transfers this week. Uh, are you ready to be nice to him again, uh, Ethan? I mean, not really, because I mean. I- <laughs> I wasn't expecting them to only go into next season with seven scholarship players. So, I mean, I was anticipating the Magic. But they were two good players. Yeah. Well, well, Brandon McKissick's a really good player. C.J. Felder, I mean, nine points or something at Boston College. Not a terrific ad, but McKissick's got a chance, I think, to be the best scorer the Gators have added through through transfer since Igor Kulichov. Yeah, um, I mean, you've still got to go out and get more at this point. You've got to just keep adding those guys. Um, But, you know, I I really, I like Mike White as a person. It it pains me to talk about him, but but I know things are are getting pretty rough around there. Um, I I wasn't around for last podcast, so what were were y'all talking about then? Ethan, give it it the rundown. Yeah, give it it to me. I'd say we talked about the exodus of players and how they can't ha- they don't have a stable roster and they just turn it over after a year mm-hmm. we talked about the late game collapse against oral roberts um i think that just about covers just it. the inconsistency mainly um you know from from the year or from the years and you know it's it's rightfully so i mean they're they've been very inconsistent and uh you know the the exodus the transfer uh, guys or the guys who've all transferred out is definitely a concern uh this is what Eric and I were talking about, and, and we'll have to get Eric on here next time or, or something and talk about this. But, you know, Eric and I had, uh, you know, kind of discussions about this. and You know, if you're upgrading, you know, in, in positions, then it's okay. You know, but if you're not upgrading, you're just adding guys to fill out your roster, then that's when you when it becomes a problem and, and troublesome. So uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, I mean, there's just a, a lot to – there's a lot to uncover and a lot to go, a lot of time to go, a lot of players to go after. And, you know, you've basically got to win a lot of these big matchups against some of the big ones. You did with Brandon against uh, Kansas. So, you know, you just got to keep doing that. Yeah, and I mean, I think they will um, just because Mike White has shown in his time at Florida that he can go out and get these recruits uh, and these transfers um, that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect them to get. But – and once you get them, you've got to start doing something with them. Every year, it's like we go in so excited that, you know, we've got all these awesome players on the roster, and then it doesn't turn out to be what you think it is. Um, so something is going to have to start changing there. Uh, I think you guys probably saw that Strickland uh, was pretty, um, I guess, kind in, in a radio interview about Mike White saying that, he had full confidence in him and that he would be coaching at Florida for a long time, which, I mean, what are you going to say? You're not going to say, yep, I'm going to fire my coach. He's not any good. But um, I just wanted to see what y'all's thoughts were on, on him saying that. Uh, and he said he knows when to fire a coach when he doesn't have confidence in him anymore. And apparently he still has confidence in Mike White to get it done. Well, here's the thing. Like you said, what did you expect him to say? Yeah. He wasn't going to fire him this year. What do you expect him to say? I mean, and you know, it's it's a thing of 
basically it's just bs that, that's basically how i can how i can describe it to a t it's bs i mean you know we don't know if he's gonna be here 20 years we don't know if he's gonna be here five years we don't know if he's gonna be here one year i guarantee you next year if he has another terrible year uh scott strickland's gonna think long and hard about firing he's not gonna remember this whole conversation about oh well i say he's gonna be here forever yada 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 um I didn't expect him to fire him. A, it was COVID, and like uh, Ethan and I said last uh, podcast, it was a tough year mentally and physically for Mike White and this basketball team. Uh, first of all, and, and then second of all, the buyout is tremendous, so you, you mm-hmm. have that problem there. Uh, it, it is what it is with Scott Strickland and, and what in his comments. You know, do I agree with it? No, I think Mike White has a ton to prove. You know, I think it was Scott Drew was in his year like. 12 or something when he won the the championship with Baylor Florida fans ain't gonna be that patient no no, no. well it's also they don't they shouldn't be as patient either because I mean Baylor was a disaster when Scott Drew got there right right and, and, and that's the thing it was a different scenario them. yeah um and I, I didn't expect him to be fired either even though everyone was calling for his head it just it wasn't gonna happen this year um there like you said there's just too much going on the whole Keontae thing, you just you don't know what would have happened if he was able to play throughout the season. So, no, but I think you're right that the sea is going to start getting really hot if things aren't uh, on a much better track next season. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I am pulling for him to turn it around, and I just I really don't know who Florida honestly would go out and get Who's gonna do much better immediately? Well, that's your that's that's your that's your second point of why you can't fire him this year. You know, I mean, you look at Indiana. Did they make a splash hire? No, and they were one of the past blue bloods. You know, you look at North Carolina. They just promoted within. Uh, as we're taping this, uh, Sean Miller at Arizona's fired. Who are they gonna go get? I did. Yeah. I did like the possibility of a Porter Moser at Loyola Chicago, though, who's now at Oklahoma. Yeah. If they were going to make a move, that would be probably the guy they would have gone after, but obviously decided to stay put with what they had. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, my boy at South Alabama, Mr. Richie Riley, turned down Utah State to stay with the Jags. Go Jags. <laughs> pro- that would have been a lateral move, probably. No, so it would have uh, it would have doubled his pay. Well, okay. Increased his salary went sideways in like, level of competition. Oh, yeah, well, he's Do also... Have- uh, this- What's going on there? What's that? <laughs> Do they have something on him? They got some dirt on him or something? Who's that? Like, oh, no. He's built a really good roster. Uh, he has his family settled in down here. And uh, kind of like Ethan said, I think it's kind of a – I mean, obviously, Utah State's what? Mountain West, is that right? Yeah. A really good Mountain West team, though. They yeah, probably... but still, like, who wants to live in Utah? <laughs> Not me. Not me either. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, hey, y'all, y'all just give me happiness. I was happy. I was hey, trying to bring happiness. I, I just right. wanted to know. I just wanted to know. Go well, ahead. Well, you have, we'll let you be happy about this, but how about the Atlanta Braves? Ethan, yeah, you, how are they doing? you will be booted off this podcast immediately and banned, and I, I think I can make a call and, and remove you from Gator Country. We do not like talking about the Braves and their 0-4 record as they're losing in a doubleheader on Wednesday. Maybe I'm jinxing it, though, and they'll win a couple of games today, or on Wednesday. Maybe. 
I mean, we'll see. It's heartbreaking. And we lost the All-Star game, and I can't talk about that because Ethan and I had some issues with that on Twitter, but that's heartbreaking as well. Uh, let's see here. What did we – oh, I wanted to get on that. Randy Shannon to FSU. I mean, oh, yeah, he's, he's completing his Florida tour. <laughs> yeah, USF next, and then he'll have to hit the smaller schools, the FIUs of the world, the FAUs of the world, uh, uh, FAMU, he'll have to hit those. But I, I I was starting to look at it, but then I got tired of looking at it. I don't, I did not find a coach who had been at all all three of the major three programs. Do, do y'all remember anyone? I mean, no, that I no. know of. Uh, I mean, they've been talking about someone, someone's doing it in Alabama, too. Uh, I can't remember who, what the name of the person is. Well, Kevin Steele's been. Did you see that on Twitter? There's Kevin someone Steele's, in Alabama. Well, Kevin Steele's been at both Alabama and Auburn. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but those two, yeah. But still, for UCF, I mean, those are the big four. I mean, you know, obviously the big three, and then it, the fourth one is, is you know, absolutely. Uh, 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 UCF, but still, uh, you, you look at that and you, you kind of think about it and you say, man, that's, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you just go where where people are, are hiring. <laughs> but... yeah, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was kind of weird when, when Tim Brewster came to Florida after having coached at Florida State for a while and Randy Shannon just all kinds of conflicted. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he, he Miami blue blood down there. Uh, I'll say this, and you know, I might get bashed for it. The times have passed Randy Shannon by as far as his defense go. Um, so good move for him. And, hey, he's still drawing a paycheck and doing what he loves. So uh, good for him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. I mean, we'll see. Does Norvell get things going at FS, FSU or do they continue to be uh, absolute trash up in Tallahassee? Yeah, I don't see things getting much better anytime soon there from, from my standpoint. They do have a good quarterback now, though. So they're basketball school now. <laughs> I don't know. They well, baseball too. They, they're baseball they, they beat blew up Florida. And how, softball school. How are they? Uh, what's their record in baseball? Y'all know? I don't know the record. The ranks like sixteen or seventeenth or something. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, then they're they're getting better. Then hey, they're getting better. Uh, nice to see uh, Mike Martin Jr. Uh, doing well there. So, uh, well, I, I guess let's look ahead real quick. Uh, we'll look at these two. Uh, well, softball doesn't really have a series, but let's look at Rocky Top uh, real quick before we get out of here, Ethan. Uh, pretty good team. Swept LSU, correct? Yeah, they did. Hey. They're, I think, 7-2 maybe in SEC play. Not LSU really cried about it. In front of me, but. I remember LSU cried about it. Their their coach was like, oh, Tennessee fans were rude, and yeah. LSU's 1-8 right now. Wow. Wow. That that is incredible. To see LSU 1-8 is, is, is insane. Uh, I guess give me the keys. I, I know you haven't looked at it a ton. Give me the keys this weekend. I mean, they've got to figure out a way to win on the road. The road. They only won one road game this entire season, and that was at UNF, which – isn't very good. They just got to find a way to get the bats going consistently. I mean, they had 13 hits on Tuesday night against Stetson. That was the first time in like seven or eight games they'd gotten to double figures in hits. And a couple of guys in particular, they got to get going. Judd Fabian, like we talked about earlier, can't go 0 for 13 with 11 strikeouts on the road again, like ever again. And Josh Rivera's got to figure out a way to be able to throw the ball to first, which is his biggest problem. Right. What's the status of Gass- is it Gasecki? Is that how you say yeah. it? Gassetti. He's he's 
probably going to be out for a while. He's Is it a broken a forearm? He's got a fracture. Sully said it was a non-dislocated fracture in his forearm, which not really sure what that exactly that entails, but they're going to get more x-rays in a couple of weeks and go from there. But Non-dislocated probably, fracture. Yeah, probably looking at May at the earliest, I would think, before he's back. Cal Greenfield's got a hit. Yeah. If uh, they even choose to go with him, I think probably going to see Nathan Hickey get most of the yeah. time right now. But And then who goes to first? Uh, Butler's still playing first, and then you probably have Chris Armstrong DHing primarily. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, there you go. I, that's, uh, that's a blow. I mean, Gusecki was a, a solid, solid backstop back there. So, uh, any, one of y'all got any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um. I, I don't really have much. Uh, you you did mention that there's not a series this weekend for softball, um, but like I said earlier, they did add some games against Western Kentucky. So, you know, it's a li- at least a little softball to watch, and uh, they're playing uh, Canada's professional team. So it's, you know, at least a little bit of softball going on there. Uh, hopefully get some bats going this weekend, watch some more, some more home runs. Um, but, yeah, I don't really have much to add. Yeah, we can, I guess, talk about the new way they're going to do regionals for baseball, and I think oh, probably yeah. stuff, too. You just want to get me mad, Ethan. You just well, want to get me mad, because mm-hmm. I, I, here's the thing, <laughs> Ethan. Go, go ahead, because you had a good point on, on social media about it. So go ahead. Give me your thoughts, because I'll, I'll, I'll go off your thoughts. All right, well, first, for those that don't know, what they're going to do, basically, is instead of announcing the regional hosts at the end of the season on Memorial Day, like they normally do, it's going to be announced at the teams have to submit their bids by like mid-April and then they'll announce the regional hosts at the end of April based off of merit who are like the top 16 teams at the time with the idea being that it's going to take two or three weeks to set up COVID protocols. Not exactly sure what that entails, but that's whether they're going to do it. Doesn't have their own? Like everyone already has their own setup. So what's right. the deal? I think maybe because there's four teams and it takes more hotel rooms. I don't know. It just it just doesn't make sense to me because yeah. uh, you know every every team has their own COVID protocols. Okay, every team's tested. Is is ba- baseball's tested every day? Correct, or is it every other I day? It's, I think it's probably three times a week. Right? Okay. I guess for every other sport. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I wasn't I wasn't sure. I, I knew. You know, I know in the in in the minors and the majors and and that kind of stuff they're doing it every day um, for for baseball only. Uh, but but still, you, you you look at it like that. Everybody has their protocols. It, it just doesn't make sense to me to to get out ahead that much. Okay, you have a you, you announce your regionals on a usually on the Saturday, and then the brackets come out, or excuse me, on the Sunday, and then brackets usually come out on Monday, on Memorial Day, correct? Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, they, they announce the regional hosts on that Sunday, and then the Monday, which is Memorial Day, they right. come out with the full bracket. So you have Sunday to Friday to get everything in order. It, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Or If it's going to take extra time, what you could do is just tell like, the top 30 teams – Start making preparations now, and right. then you just cut off 14 of them if you need to. It just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It just especially since I mean you see teams during the regular season all the time will schedule a game on two days' notice because they had an opening. So that's okay, but a week of preparation isn't enough time. Right, and and, yeah, and that, I, go ahead, Bailey. I, I honestly think it's just 
they're doing it for looks. They want to they want the world to know that they are taking precautions and they're doing things the right the right way. So you're announcing that you're doing something to try to make things better. Whether it does or not, I think that's the goal behind it. Just like during basketball season, we see the benches spread out. Right. You know, everyone's six feet away from their teammates when you're practicing with them every single day. Right. It's not going to change anything. It's for optics. Right. That's well, then in the in the NCAA tournament, they had them eight to ten foot apart. So, and listen, I I understand it. You want to and 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 applaud the people in 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 Indianapolis because the tournament went out when it went without a hitch. I think there was only one game postponed, and that was the first game. Uh, uh, or one of the in the first or second round now, not the play yet. Uh, so tremendous respect to those guys for doing that. Um, but it just, I don't see it. You know, if you're if, if if you're that worried about it, then why not just select sixteen hosts and and do your you know on precautionary things there. I just I maybe I'm overreacting to it. I just don't like it. I think it's stupid. I don't like it. Yeah, you work so hard all season. That's like your goal right. is to be that regional host, be a super regional host. And, and especially with more fans now. Everybody's getting more fans. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. I, I'm not for it either. Especially when I mean, the, re, the way baseball and softball are played, each site's basically a bubble already. So right. What is, what is there to be concerned about? Right, exactly. So, again, is it a... Um, a a look a perception thing probably it, it, it probably is um and you know I, who knows we're we're guys we're gonna get bashed I'm sure because we don't take it serious enough or, or something I'm sure it's coming but it is what it is I I don't like it uh but you know again uh real quick I I did say this John Miller stuff he's fired uh also former FSU receiver Travis Rudolph arrested on uh, first degree murder charges ooh. Well, I will say this. I am floored by that. Travis Rudolph was one of the most quietest, respectful kids I've ever seen in the recruiting world. I'm shocked by it. I really am shocked. I, I will be interested to follow this to see if the charges, uh, if he's convicted on it or if it's just, you know, something else. I, I don't know. It's it's wild. So it's the quiet ones you gotta watch out for. <laughs> so Ethan, you're the one we gotta worry about, right? Uh, I mean, I, I don't ever Probably. plan on doing anything, but oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, just 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 messing around. Uh, one thing uh, before we do get out of here, uh, Gators gymnastics. Uh, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend will be in Texas for the uh, the championship meet, and uh, Gators should get Trinity Thomas back for the uh, full uh, full rounds. I love watching her. I, I don't watch much gymnastics, but I, she's just so fun to watch. Um, I I think the gymnastics team is awesome this year. I've I've seen a few of their meets, but I, I know you've been following it a little more closely than I have. My wife so. likes to watch it, so I, I, yeah. I watch it a little bit. So um, I, I, don't, I don't understand it very much because it, they all look the same pretty much unless they fall and yeah. bust their heads open. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can tell you. What, I'm to the point where I, I can tell you what the score is going to be after I see a routine, but I don't I have, I have any idea why at that score. <laughs> like look at it, like that's a nice point. They're pinky toe. All right, here's the deal, Ethan. I want to see you get on the vault. 
I can maybe walk across the balance beam. Maybe. No way I could walk on the balance beam. No I didn't way. That was pretty good until I was like 12. But Alright, let's see Bailey post-baby on the beam. Okay, alright. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get that as soon as I can find a beam. There so. you go. Uh, alright, any final thoughts? Anybody else got any final thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm good, guys. Uh, I'm good. Ethan, you're good as well. All right, we appreciate it, guys. We'll uh, we'll be on the uh, on the call all weekend. Uh, Bailey will have softball. And Ethan will have uh, baseball uh, up in Rocky Top, and we'll be filling in, doing whatever else is uh, popping up because there's never a dull moment. Maybe uh, Mike White picks up another transfer. Hey, we'll see. Uh, you know, maybe the Gators get in football get a commit or something. I, I don't expect that to happen. It is lining up to be a busy summer of official visits thank god uh so yeah follow us on uh, social media at gatorcountry.com and uh on facebook at gator country and uh let us know what you think about the podcast and we'll be back next week to uh do another one thanks guys thanks guys bye